Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710 in the home of the Black and Gold. Black and Gold breakdown coming up in just a few minutes. We've also got the LA Care injury report. And, of course, stoppage time with the great Mario Ruiz. That's all still to come. Right now, we are joined. I'll tell you how long this show's been on the air, right? Already several seasons of Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. And the way you know that is Boston Matt became Brighton Matt. And joining us now from Boston is Brighton Matt, a friend of the show and a great friend of mine. And uh, Brighton Matt, how are you doing, buddy? Good to talk to you again. I'm uh, doing absolutely wonderful, Dave. Wonderful to hear your your dulcet tones on, on Soccer Weekly once again. Good to be back visiting home right now. Oh, it is good to have you. It feels like uh, feels like you never left. Uh, let's get right to it with uh, your namesake, the team you follow in the Premiership. I want to talk to you about the Prem a little bit, but we got to start with Brighton. Obviously, a new direction this year with a new manager, and uh, you know, a rough season last season, no doubt. What kind of start are you having? I mean, you're up and down a little bit. You know, four points from four is not terrible by any means. But how how are you feeling so far? Well, as you said, new direction of the club, really, with uh, Graham Potter coming in, taking over for the, the wonderful, uh, well-loved Chris Hewton from last year. And it was a tough end to the season last year. A lot of people forget we actually had a quite a good start. Yeah. But Tony Tony Bloom, our, our owner, is not messing around he's he's a gambler by nature he made all his money in the gambling business and he's taking a risk with, with potter you know they wanted to play a little bit more open have us give us a chance to score some goals and it's a big risk in the direction they want to be a top 10 club and that's possible with potter but we could also get relegated because it's a very high risk system he's playing so the, the you know people were, were booking their champions league tickets after the first week <laughs> three way uh, three three nil away to watford but We've come back down to earth a little bit, but but the fans are excited. Yeah, and as it turns out, Watford is uh, having a rough, rough start, so you caught them at a good time, too. Now, that might have been a little bit having to do with running into Albion. Up the Albion there as running into you know Watford, you, uh, you really had a nice start. But, uh, Matt, again, you kind of bring up a good point. The numbers are skewed right now. You, you ran into Man City this past weekend, and that never really goes well for anybody. Sure. Uh, although you have to look at the, at the game itself, the match itself, not a lot of clubs that go to Man City and have almost half of possession in, in the match. And Potter really wanted to imprint his system on the game. And we, we had a lot of the ball. We didn't have the quality up front, really. And nobody's going to keep up with City uh, on their good day. But it's, it's a system that is going to give us some kind of lopsided defeats, but it's also going to give us some chances against some of the higher clubs that we didn't have under Hewton. Well, so, you mentioned that. High risk, you... high reward. Yeah, and I like that. I mean, that that's fair. And it will bring me to something in just a moment. But you mentioned Man City, and you can't, you know, it's hard to hang with them, of course. They're right near the top of the table again, defending champions. Uh, are they in Liverpool really still a cut above everybody else here? I, I don't think a cut above is really even illustrative of the, the gap between <laughs> City and Liverpool and the rest. I mean, there is zero chance you're going to have anyone else competing this season, and then it seems like for the upcoming seasons. I mean, they're really... Their depth, their squad depth is incredible. Their style of play is just so tough to deal with. And yeah. it's going to be a fun battle, I think, with them. But no, no one no one else is even close. Well, see, that that brings me to my next question here. And I, and I ask this genuinely. You know about Soccer Weekly. You know my thoughts on the Premier League. Once the season literally kicks off, most of the teams are just trying to avoid being relegated. Okay, that's fine. You really don't have much of a chance. But as a Brighton fan, and you are a diehard, what do you look forward to? I mean, is it just that battle against relegation, or what do you, do you guys set goals? Is it tenth? Is it 
what what is there that draws an Albion fan in for the entire season, knowing you just don't have a chance to win? It's, it's a very good question, and I can only speak to the Brighton perspective. And you have to remember that 20 seasons ago, Brighton was on the verge on the last day of the season of being relegated from English football. Wow. So this is a club that has sure. really just seen the, the rise, precipitous rise through the last 20 years. And our club specifically does set goals. Our first two years in the Premier League, the express goal was staying up. And Hewton did a great job at keeping us in the Premier League. And yeah. this season, uh, you know, last season we introduced, we introduced Dan Ashworth as our technical director, who's had a lot of experience in top-level clubs. And we're now kind of trying to take that next step. And the goal is to be a top-10 uh, team for the, for, the, for the foreseeable future. And I think we kind of want to take over the South Coast. Now, if you look at a team like an Everton, who isn't really threatened with relegation, but also isn't really threatening at the top, a team that, I don't know what it's like to go in as an Everton supporter because, as you say, you kind of know you don't have a chance going in. Um, but you also have to remember, look, Leicester City did happen. It, was it an absolute miracle? Yes, but doesn't just because things are like this now doesn't mean it's going to stay this way. And there's always the, the faint bit of hope that you have a chance at the top. It brings me to another question that I was thinking about, and I think I know the answer, but I'm not educated on it like you guys are over there, and you, certainly you, Brighton Matt, here joining me here on Soccer Weekly. Why not, you know, look, I understand the FA Cup. Everybody, you know, strives for that. It's amazing. I love that competition. Why not the Carabao Cup then, too? Like, what? it's something you guys might be able to win, right? Or why do people, even at, at Brighton's level, and I don't mean to pick on them, every team does this, like Aston Villa, Norwich City, all the... Why don't you try to strive for that? But then I see you guys throwing out weaker lineups, quote unquote. You know what I'm saying? Like, why not just at least tell your Absolutely. fans, you know, that's what we're going for, too. You know, I mean, why not? I think the further along you get in those competitions, it does become more of a goal. But as you know, the financial difference between being in the Premier League and the championship uh, is yeah. beyond massive. Sure. And so, what is so you feel you're going to get run down at the end of the year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you don't have the squad depth that, that the top teams do, and so if you have a game on on Tuesday or a match on Tuesday or Wednesday, and you know you have a match say with a Norwich or a Villa on Saturday, is it really worth the drop in possibly one or, or three points in, in a three hundred million pound uh, deficit that you'd face going to the to the championship? Yeah. It's, it's just not feasible. Okay, but let me ask it this way then. How come how come we hear that from Premier League clubs and yet they play 46 regular season games in the championship trying to get to the premiership and not to get relegated down to League 1, which is a real slap in the face. You know, they play 46 regular season games plus all the Carabao Cup and the Nobody nobody cares about the poor guys in the championship running their butts off all year. <laughs> it's fair, but, but it's kind of a, a comparison. We faced I believe West Brom in the fourth round of the FA Cup last year. And yeah. it might have been the fifth round, and they played a second side, and that's a huge match for them to to go that far. And there are financial benefits, but they they were I think sixth yeah. or seventh in the championship. They couldn't even risk playing a, a top side in the FA Cup. So uh-huh. the, the the finances are out of whack and, and too top heavy, it's to be sure. We are talking with Brighton Matt here on Soccer Weekly. All right, this is it. This is the final question for uh, Brighton Matt, formerly Boston Matt who is a diehard Brighton and a Hove Albion fan over there in the Premiership, which we love that. You know I am skewed towards soccer, but don't let this affect your answer genuinely, Matt. You are a diehard, you're a great sports fan, and all the Boston teams, of course, you had 
storied uh, history with them. What is it about Brighton that maybe makes it different? Is it different, you know, the experience as a fan for a team like Brighton versus, let's say, American, you know, the, the traditional American sports that we all love here, too? It's a wonderful question. I feel like the, the, the sport is so different in that you really, truly have generations going back, you know, well over 100 years yeah. that are so dedicated that have gone through through the ups and downs. And, and, and look, if you if you played this next sound clip for me 15 years ago, I would have just said, this is not me, this is uh, amazing. But the sport <laughs> itself of soccer or football is such an incredible fan experience for 45 minutes at a time when you're at a stadium, you don't see anyone looking at their phone. You don't see anyone posting an Instagram picture. You don't see anyone looking at the big jumbotron. They don't see anybody looking at cheerleaders. It is such an intense viewing experience yeah. that I think creates a connection between the fans and the teams that's really unlike any American sport. And sure, there's the drama, there's the off-the-pitch type, type of issues that get involved in the media. But for those 45 minutes at a time, two hours on a Saturday, Sunday, it is the, your entire life. And there's, it's just an incredible experience that really I, I didn't know existed before I was lucky enough to be adopted as a Brighton Hove Albion fan. Wow. That is a great answer. I'm going to have to steal that at some point. I really That's a great way to put it. I really appreciate that, actually. Excellent insight oh, from Brighton Matt. Hey, Brighton Matt, formerly Boston Matt, who is now uh, living the dream of following the EPL and Brighton and Hove Albion. Best of luck to them. And, of course, to you, Matt. Always good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks so much, man. Cheers, Dave. Thank you for having me on. appreciate it. You bet. Brighton Matt, who uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on Brighton and Hove Albion trying to work their way up the Prem table here after four points from four to begin the campaign. Black and gold breakdown still to come. We've got stoppage time and a little giveaway for you as well. Yeah, a little bribe coming up here on Soccer Weekly. Dave Denholm and you on ESPN LA 710. Oh, Soccer Weekly, ESPNLA 710. It's so good to be back with you. A new time here, 9 o'clock Pacific, going up for the hour, as we always do, each and every week here on ESPNLA, the home of the black and gold. LAFC will take on Orlando SC coming up on Saturday, and we'll be joined in progress on that one here on ESPNLA for the pregame and then the kickoff. 7.30 p.m. That's all after the Yankees-Red Sox coming up on Saturday here on ESPN LA. Oh, so much to get to. We'll begin with LAFC and that disappointing loss. First loss in MLS play at the bank. Minnesota United came in, and here is the bottom line. They played a perfect game, Minnesota. Perfect. They knew what they wanted to do defensively. They wanted to sit behind the ball and a counterattack with space. Mason Toy took advantage and drilled two perfect shots for the 2-0 victory. And Vito Minone, more importantly, played perfect in net in front of a pretty staunch defense for Minnesota, oftentimes with all 10 men in front of him wearing the United gear. And he played great. And here's what happens in games like this. The beauty of football, right? We talk about an awful lot, why we love this sport. Sometimes it comes back to bite you because... It can change on a dime. Every sport, football is the game of inches. Virtually every professional sport is a game of inches because professional athletes are so honed in and finely tuned and they're great. And that's no different for soccer and for MLS. What happens is 
before the first Mason toy goal, literally seconds before, Eduardo Tuesta makes a brilliant run, single run, solo run, into the area and laces a shot that Vito Manone gets a fingernail to and makes a brilliant save. Slightly better than Atuesta's move, which was also just unreal. If that goes in, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I said it on the broadcast. If Eduardo Atuesta scores there, instead of then Manone making a save, they go down to the other end and Toy hits a brilliant shot that Cisniega has no chance on. If Atuesta's shot finds the back of the net, if Manone's just an inch or two late, you know, half a second off, didn't you know? Didn't get the finger on it. Instead, it goes in. It's probably a three or four nil LAFC victory in the long run, or at least LAFC likely gets the win, whatever the score might have been. But that's the beauty of sport. Unfortunately, it came to bite LAFC, and once they did not hit that shot, get stoned by Manone. They go down and Toy just rocks it. It just here's the issue with LAFC right now. This is a team that battles back. Don't tell me, you know, don't worry about that. They've fallen behind before and had a lot of success from coming from behind. Hasn't happened that many times this year, but it has happened. They've given up early goals. They've given up some sloppy goals. This team fights back. That's not the worry. But the worry is the blueprint again. Realistically, teams are getting pretty good at doing what they have to do, which is the only way to beat LAFC at home. I'm convinced of that. The only way to beat LAFC at the bank is to do exactly what Minnesota did. There's no other way. And teams are not stupid. When it comes to the playoffs, it doesn't matter how good a team is, they're going to do what they have to do to beat the better team. Right? It's not going to matter how good Minnesota thinks they are. Look what they did in the regular season. They came into play super defensively, and it worked. Portland might think they can go toe-to-toe with LAFC, but you know what? They're not going to do it the way that LAFC wants them to, which is to open up the game. Seattle might be confident. They might even be cocky at times, though somewhat undeservingly. But they can't go toe-to-toe with LAFC, and they know it. That is an issue. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer, if you want to continue that conversation throughout the day. International call-ups are going to rock some MLS teams, including LAFC, for this next game at Orlando. Walker Zimmerman, Brian Rodriguez, Peter Lee Vassell, Eduardo Tuesta, Mark Anthony Kay, all called up to their respective nations. Atuesta's playing with the U23s for Colombia. And but you know Orlando's missing a couple of guys. Asquez, I think is one and a couple I, there's a few guys for Orlando. So a lot of people have a beef about this. Oh, the international window kills LAFC. Well, every it's all equal. Look, not it's not equal in terms of who you might lose, but it's a long season and this one game if somebody's complaining about it too much, then you're probably a losing franchise realistically. Sorry. You got plenty of opportunity over a 34 game schedule. Is it ideal that they play in these uh, international windows? No. But is it worse if they were to do it in the playoffs? Of course. So they're freeing up the playoffs this year from international duty for anybody. That is a good thing. So there are trade-offs with an MLS schedule. And before you start to whine about, well, they should go to the regular 
August through whatever. Yeah, you want to go sit in Minnesota in January to watch a game? I didn't think so. Or Colorado? You want to go to Denver? No. You don't want to sit outside in January in most of MLS cities. That's just stop. It's not going to happen. United States taking on Mexico, then they play Uruguay. It's always fun when the U.S. plays Mexico, right? Greg Berhalter had the uh, broken, uh, you know, the uh, non- uh, roster breakdown. You can check that out at ussoccer.com. They got some good stuff from Berhalter on the roster. Uh, no real surprises. Walker Zimmerman is the lone LAFC participant for the U.S. Sebastian Legette for the Galaxy. The Galaxy going to be missing a lot of players coming up into this international window too, and that talk about hurting. I mean, at least LAFC has certainly built themselves a cushion. If you're looking at the Galaxy with this international window, they're just teetering on the brink of actually making the playoffs. Currently in that seventh and final spot with Portland only two points behind with a game in hand. Yikes. So it certainly could be worse for LAFC compared to others because they built themselves a nice cushion. But yeah, it is a factor. Now for the U.S. taking on Mexico and then Uruguay, those are great games. I don't care if it doesn't mean you know, friendly, whatever. There's no such thing when the U.S. takes on Mexico. I don't care what kind of team. You think it might be a C team. Not that I'm saying this roster particularly, but I don't care if you think, oh, this isn't the top of the top roster for either. It doesn't matter. When you play L3, it is a big game. It's awesome. Now, obviously, if you lose it, it's still things to be learned. It's not the end of the world. I get that. You never want to lose to Mexico and vice versa. Good to see Josh Sargent getting the call. Love that. There's some really good names. Jackson Ewell's a guy I want to keep an eye on from the Earthquakes. Obviously, Christian Pulisic. We know it. Paxton Palma calls a good one from FC Dallas. I love these call-ups by Greg Berhalter. And then a lot of the usual suspects. But there's some really good, interesting, even Corey Baird from Real Salt Lake. Really talented kid. I'd like to see him really kind of step up a little more at this level to see what happens, you know, when he, now that he has a chance. So that'll be interesting. And again, when you play L3, right, you got to win. Doesn't matter who's playing for either side, if it's the B versus B teams or whatever. I don't care. Throw that out. All the cliches. Even the Uruguay game, I like that a lot too. Brian Rodriguez will participate for the Uruguayans there getting the call up. LAFC's new signing. That's good to see. Uruguay's a good team, too. I Look, I love these matches. I know, again, it's an international window, so it has a little more oomph, maybe, than just a you know some kind of friendly scheduled in the middle of a summer on an off year or whatever. I like it, though. These games do matter. We're starting to try to build. Remember, we missed the World Cup, as if you forgot that. And that can never happen again. So these games do matter for Greg Berhalter to start putting together what he wants. And yeah, no, a loss is not the end of the world. A win doesn't change a whole lot. It's not the end of the world. But hey, bragging rights between these two countries, always on the line. So I can't wait for that on Friday. Then the game, of course, against Uruguay a few days later. So yeah, really good stuff still to come. Speaking of still to come, we got an interview with an old buddy of the show, formerly Boston Matt, now Brighton Matt, spending time over with Brighton and Hove Albion supporting them in the Premier League over there in the uh, outside, uh, you know, about an hour outside of London. So it'll be good to talk to him next. we got black and gold breakdown still to come and stoppage time, all that and so much more. We're just getting started on Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm here on ESPN LA 710. Toy around one defender. It's 2v5. Laying it off to Gregus, who's now entering it. 
down the line towards Toy. He's onside. Segura trying to make a dive. Toy in the air. The shot. Goal. Beating Cisniega to the back post with the left foot. It's 1-0 Minnesota in the 25th minute. Mason Toy, his fifth of the season on the counterattack. And it would get worse four minutes later in that 2-0 loss. Minnesota Mason Toy to LAFC nil. First loss at home for the black and gold in MLS play. They'll go on the road at Orlando. You'll hear it on Saturday night. We're joined in progress after Yankees Red Sox on ESPN LA 710 here. You can hear it in its entirety with the pregame beginning at 7 on ESPN, the ESPN app. And of course, kickoff a little after 730. We'll have it all for you as LAFC look to right to ship a bit here against Orlando SC. Speaking of the black and gold, it is time now for black and gold breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown. It's the black and gold breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this right now. On the Black and Gold Breakdown, we'd like to take a deeper dive into issues related to LAFC. And, of course, the Black and Gold have had a magnificent season to date, right? They're just, uh, by all accounts, running away from it. They've already clinched, first team to clinch a playoff spot. They're still looking for some things, though, and that's what I want to talk about with the schedule remaining. The Supporters' Shield chase, which, of course, would lead them to be the number one seed in the West by default, obviously, if they get the best record in the First and foremost, you want to win the Western Conference. That's the first thing. You obviously want to win the Supporter Shield more importantly because it gets you a a spot in CONCACAF Champions League next season, which we all cannot wait for. I can't wait for that. That's exactly why you want to win uh, the uh, Supporter Shield. So let's start there. LAFC now, roughly with the same amount of games played as just about everyone else in the West. Uh, Vancouver is eliminated from the playoff race. They've had a few more games than everybody as well. But everybody virtually on 28 games. FC Dallas has played 29. They're at the bottom of the race for the playoffs. That might have a factor towards the five, six, seven spots maybe. But, of course, FC Dallas could win their last five games and really vault themselves up the table too. Possible. Portland has a game in hand on everybody virtually with 27 played. And the Galaxy sitting 7th on 42 points. LAFC, of course, 16 points ahead of Seattle. To win the West, they just need another win, bottom line. right? Nobody can catch them. Seattle at 46 points. The best they can do is 64. So one more win, done. They win the West. Now, to win the Supporter Shield, a little bit uh, more tenuous, so to speak. And the reason I say that is, Philadelphia leads the East with 51 points, They but they've played 29 games. They could end on 66 points, okay? So that just means LAFC theoretically would only need two more wins or win in a couple of draws out of the next six games. But New York City only sits a point behind Philadelphia, right? And they've played two games less than the Union. NYCFC could end on 71 points if they were to win out. Now, I know that's... Yeah, yeah, good luck down home. Well, NYCFC is pretty darn good. They have the most points per game in the East. They are the best team in the East, in my estimation. They could end on 71 if they just won out. That would mean LAFC would need 10 points out of their last six games. Again, three wins and a draw. No matter what happens, if they get three wins and a draw anywhere along the way in the six games left, they win the Supporters' Shield. Oh, by the way, if they do that, they also happen to have that little the little carrot of best record of all time in terms of points in MLS. So let's let's look at that, shall we? Three wins and a draw. The final six games at Orlando, at Philadelphia, home to Toronto and Houston, 
at Minnesota, we saw how difficult the United could be, and then home to Colorado. Here's the bottom line. Take care of your business at home, as LAFC has done, right, all season. Toronto, Houston, those are kind of back-to-back, Saturday, Wednesday, the 21st and 25th of September, and then Sunday, October 6th, final game of the season at home against Colorado. You take care of your business there, then you just need a draw in one of the three games on the road. I know this is all speculation. Things happen. I get it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy to beat Toronto and Houston back-to-back at home, and then, you know, no disrespect to any of these teams. But if you take care of your business at home, you need a draw on the road out of the other three games. I mean, it's looking very good, right, that LAFC will not only get the supporter shield, we know that, but also will get the best record in the history of MLS in terms of points per, you know, in a season. That's what they should be shooting for, not just not just the supporter shield. Go bigger, right? So you take care of business at home, you get a draw or two on the road, Get a, go for the wins on the road, you know how I feel, let's win all six. I got no problem with that. I'm saying that the bare minimum is what you need. Even with all these call-ups and maybe the Carlos Vela, you the hamstring still causing him to miss the game against Minnesota. You never know what happens. You want to be certainly rested. But here's another thing about the schedule that people don't understand, too. MLS's playoff schedule was released. We talked a little bit about it previously on this show weeks past. But there's such a gap between the final game and then the international window takes place before the playoffs start. And LAFC with the number one seed in the West would have another several days off. So we're talking upwards of almost three weeks off from their final game before LAFC would play again. About two and a half weeks, potentially, before they would play again, right? So that's a little tricky about the schedule. Now, everybody's going to have some time off with that international break. It'll be almost two weeks, roughly, about two weeks. So it's not a huge difference, but again, you got to stay sharp. So I don't think there's any reason for LAFC to go down the final games of the schedule and say, oh, this guy needs a rest. You know, Again, there's that little Saturday-Wednesday bump along the road, but it's not a packed schedule per se. They do play Saturday-Wednesday and then Sunday in Minnesota technically, so I can understand if Bob Bradley maybe makes a few changes here and there. I get it. That's you know, three games in nine days is never easy, but it's not the toughest, or eight days or whatever it is, it's not the worst schedule I've ever seen going down the stretch in that sense. They'll also have a full week off before that final game against Colorado. So I like what I'm seeing overall. Not bad. I suspect all of that will happen. LAFC will win the West. They will get the supporter shield. And they will indeed get the record for the most points in a season. Hey, we are still ro- We're just barely getting started here. we right? we got a long way to go. This show is moving. We have got a giveaway for you coming up and the LA care injury report plus a little uh, comment uh, I got a little uh, thought or two on Zlatan not uh, critical like you might think okay just uh, bear with me here I'm Dave Denholm this is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710 thank you Steely Voice Radio man I am Dave Denholm this is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710 and we've been having a great time here on another fantastic show hit me up on Twitter at Talk Soccer that's where this show lives and don't forget, we got black and gold breakdown each and every week. We got the black and gold on ESPN LA coming up Saturday, taking on Orlando City pregame at seven, kickoff at seven thirty on the ESPN app. Joined in progress after Major League Baseball here on ESPN LA. 
And right now, we want to be, uh, look, we want to reward you for listening with some great stuff each and every week. Caller number 7, caller number 10 at 877-710-ESPN. Right now, 877-710-3776. 877-710-3776. As part of the Brazil Global Tour, we are just happy to be giving away a pair of tickets to each of you. Caller 7 and caller 10, both going to win a pair of tickets to Brazil versus Peru. Coming up in the L.A. Coliseum. The Coliseum. Holy cow, does it look good. That's Tuesday, September 10th, 7.30 p.m. Each of you going to wear a pair of tickets, courtesy of the Brazil Global Tour, as they take on uh, Peru. Brazil and Peru at the Memorial Coliseum, right over here in our neck of the woods, right next to Bank of California Stadium. You can check out that game. Again, courtesy of Brazil Global Tour, two tickets to both caller 7 and 10, and the calls are flooding in. We appreciate all of that and all of you for listening, so we always want to take care of you. And, uh, yeah, that's a pretty good way to do it with Brazil taking on Peru. Several Peruvians called up from MLS sides for these games, which we talked a little bit about earlier with some of the the, the international window. Something I want to talk about with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the Galaxy. Look, we all know that the Galaxy is Zlatan-centric, right? He's got a bucket load of goals compared to what they've scored coming into this, uh, what will be their 29th game the next time they play. They have this weekend off. 41 goals for the team. He's got, what, 23, I think. So he is their offense, no doubt. And people are now starting to kind of whisper. I had some conversations with some folks around the league. and Maybe the Galaxy will not be that badly bad off when he leaves, right? Maybe they'll be better as a team. And my first instinct is to say, yeah, huh, that's interesting. My second instinct then is to try to try to turn it around, right? I like to look at both angles of everything, both sides, if you will. You start to think, well, then again, he is such a powerful force that, you know, I mean, come on, this guy is one of the best in the world. Let's be realistic. Even at his advanced age, coming off the knee injury, he's proven time again, or time and again, that he's dominant, whether it's MLS or the Premier League, or wherever he's played his entire career. But I've come to the conclusion that, yes, of course they will be better when they don't rely strictly on Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But that doesn't mean it wasn't a good move to go get him. Right? It was a great move to go get Zlatan Ibrahimovic for the Galaxy and for MLS, realistically. I don't like what the guy says all the time. I think he's annoying. I think he's a bit of a punk. But he knows what he's doing, and he's just selling the game. He's selling himself, most importantly. And that's fine. It's fun. Realistically, if you take it tongue-in-cheek, with a little bit of a, a wink and a nod, then it's been unbelievably good for MLS and, of course, for the Galaxy itself. Now, they may miss the playoffs both years that he's here so far. And that, that can't be overlooked. It's not been a success. But you'd still look at it and say, well, we maybe maybe the franchise couldn't quite figure it out or they got him when they were at such a low point. He has certainly helped elevate the Galaxy to a certain level. But if you don't make the playoffs either year, I mean, how, how much can you argue at his influence, really? So it is a mixed bag, but it's one that you would do 99.99 times out of 100. To with good success, and rightfully so. That's just the kind of force that he is. Speaking of force, 
we got to go to the L.A. Care Injury Report. At L.A. Care, our mission has always been to provide quality, affordable health care coverage to all Angelinos. For more information, visit lacare.org today. L.A. Care for all of L.A. The injury everybody was talking about was the one that forced Carlos uh, Vela to the bench just as a precaution expressly against Minnesota United with the right hamstring strain. Still listed as questionable officially, so we'll see what happens there as LAFC get ready to take on Orlando. Now, at the last report, Orlando... João Moutinho's out, former LAFC defender, of course, and Ruan has been missing. He's got the hamstring injury, both actually suffering from hamstring issues. So those are the injuries that, uh, you know, we we have or we'll keep an eye on. But most importantly, of course, we still got to wait and see about Carlos Vela and how protective LAFC is when it comes to their great Mexican uh, who's just dominant and uh, has been that way all year. You know, you hate to see him not play, but then again, you obviously want to protect the way he has been, and you just when he's a hundred percent and really rolling. Oh man, it's just this is a different kind of team compared to anything we've seen in MLS over the years, and he is certainly that kind of performer. So we'll keep our eyes firmly on that coming up for Saturday. That is the LA Care injury report. You know, one thing I wanted to talk about too. Twitter, it, look, we 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 talk about it on this. Everybody talks about it as it's good and bad, right? There's a lot of awfulness about it there's a lot of great things about it but I did want to mention something that I thought was very interesting that came about earlier in the week uh, somebody there was various reports or somebody I, I don't know MLS transfer news is the is the, the the Twitter handle or something along those lines I'm trying to get it officially here but yeah at live transfer new you know so take it with a grain of salt I don't know what you know but they had a tweet out earlier talking about Orlando City maybe having some interest, according to various sources, in Brighton striker Glenn Murray. You heard from Brighton Matt earlier. He loves Brighton and Hove Albion, and, and Glenn Murray's been there for several years. has been a, a rousing success, real professional striker. I think he's getting up there in age. He might be coming out of contract you know, after this season. He's in his mid-30s. And someone just one of the comments about the tweet kind of struck me, and I'm, I'm I don't really remember who actually wrote this, but was basically, and I'm paraphrasing something about, oh, Murray would rip up MLS. And it got me to thinking, like, we heard this for so many years, right, when MLS was just getting going 15, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. Oh, that guy would just destroy MLS, right? He'd score buckets of goals, and he's just so much better. than. What does that mean now, though? Murray, Glenn Murray, who's going to be 34, he is 35, somewhere around there. Very professional player, make no mistake. Good player. Oh, he would rip up MLS. What does that mean? Because Zlatan Ibrahimovic is scoring one goal per game. That's ripping it up, no doubt. He's been great. Carlos Vela, slightly more than a goal per game. That is unbelievable. He has been incredible. Is Glenn Murray better than those guys? No. What does that mean anymore for a very solid player to come in? What, what would you expect? Hit me up on Twitter with that, at Talk Soccer. It's just an interesting question and in how the league has changed over time. I am Dave home. Still to come, we've got stoppage time with Mario Rees. So much more here on Soccer Weekly on ESPNLA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPNLA 710, home of the black and gold. We've got that game coming against Orlando. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA and the ESPN app. Saturday, taking on Orlando City. Kickoff a little after 7.30. Big game for the black and gold. Get really right back on the horse. 
after a tough loss against Minnesota, their first in MLS play at the bank. But we've still got a long way to go. Plenty of good football left to be had in MLS. I cannot wait for the playoffs. I cannot wait, though, each and every week for the great stoppage time. We're going, baby. It's stoppage time! Yeah! Stoppage time! Yeah. It's stoppage time! Right now! Joining us right now, he's the producer of LAFC and Soccer Weekly, of course. He is the host of Stoppage Time, Mario Reyes. Mario, how are you, buddy? Good, Dave. And I can't wait for uh, Chile Argentina tomorrow night at the Ooh. Coliseum. Yeah, I'm unable to go, but I hear you're going to that game. Yeah, yeah. Me and uh, Pablo Alcina, our LAFC pregame host. Nice. Uh, the Argentinian Pablo Alcina is very, very excited to go. So we're going to roll up there. And it's going to be exciting. There's going to be a lot of star power there. Can't wait oh, to see yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Well, you're the stars. You guys are the stars. Of course, right? you know, Dave, You're you know rolling that. into there. Absolutely. <laughs> you know that. It's going to be well, a lot Pablo of stuff. Well, Pablo thinks that for sure. I mean, we know that. But, no. <laughs> oh, I love him. I love you. Pablo, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm excited to see the new Coliseum, too, because I haven't been there since they uh, renovated it. It looks kind of cool. Oh, man. No doubt. What Every a great... single seat is brand new, and there's like 90-something wow. thousand seats in there. So, Jeez. That is amazing, and there's a lot of soccer going on there here in the near future here, including this game. So yeah, yeah, yeah they're, get, they're putting it to good use right off the jump. So and exactly. of course, USC football, absolutely. Alexis Sanchez, of course, plays for Chile. He's going to be there playing, and uh, he had a press conference uh, earlier this week uh, after training, and he said something that kind of kind of got me looking at him sideways. He talked about. Um, in the future, he wants to come play for MLS after his days in Europe. And he goes, I always have offers. Uh, and he says that uh, they had told me about Miami, but I have got six or five years left at a good level in Europe. Mm-hmm. Although one day I could play in the United States. Yeah, uh, uh, Wrong answer. See yes, ya. buddy. I did not like that. No. He's what? He's 31, 30 years uh, About 30, I think 31, 30. I think so, he's around 30. So actually, he's thinking so. he's going to come over like at 35, 36 years old. Yeah. And he's going to just, you know, run through the league. I don't know yeah. about that. Come on. The only now. thing I have to say to that kind of answer to Alexis Sanchez, I can sum it up in this way. You are not Zlatan. And that's basically what he's assuming, right? I mean, he's yeah. basically, and okay, I understand. He's a confident guy. Fine player. But no, it's, that's not going to happen. Now, here's the thing, too, Mario. Uh-huh. In fairness, right? In fairness to him, the people who always keep asking these questions are annoying me. i got to be honest with you. Right? He has to answer it in a politically correct way. He's sitting in Los Angeles, yeah. the home of two MLS teams. He knows Laton's down the road. He knows Vela and LAFC are dominant. He knows... So he has to say, yes, of course I could come here. Everybody has to say that when they ask him these questions, right? He has to be politically correct. It's a fine answer in the sense that he's being nice. Right. But he's telling you the truth on the one level, which we don't like, right? He, he doesn't really think much of MLS because mm-hmm. he thinks he can come over here as a guy who plays at pretty good speed, that he's going to come over here at 36 and be, you know, have a good no that's not going to happen so on one hand we hate the answer but on the other hand i hate to question mario why do we have to keep asking these guys this you know what i mean like let him who cares it's clear he doesn't want to play here it's fine if you specifically and maybe i'm wrong maybe the specific question was inter miami reportedly has approached you how do you feel about them approach you know okay but if it's just a generic what about MLS? Would you ever like to play here? It's just ridiculous. Who cares? But I just don't like the, the, that words here. I have five I or six it. more years left at a good level in Europe. I know. You're not wrong. He screwed up, right? That's yeah. a bad answer. I hate the answer. But 
I also not not separately of it. I also don't like the question anymore. You know, it's just too needy. I get you. Yep. You know, I mean, and you're right. He did. It's the wrong answer. I don't want him coming here with that attitude. But I also don't want anybody asking the dumb question anymore. Let it go. That was my reaction. I was like, well, I don't. I don't really want you here if you're going to say it like, yeah. That, you know. Oh, I, I I couldn't agree with you more there. That's fine. I don't want him anywhere near my. Well, first of all, I think Alexis. You know. If he thinks he's going to be that good at 36, I don't know. I'm not so sure about that one either. He's a fine player. Make no mistake. Played at the highest levels. Still has it in him, I believe. But I don't know about being 30. He ain't Zlatan. When he was at his highest level, he was one of my favorite players to watch. He was so exciting. No doubt. And can still get it done. I'm convinced of that. Not necessarily six years from now. That's that's yeah. he, he is not Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Wait till you get here five or six years from now. Yeah. Then, uh, oh my gosh. And imagine how that. much better the league is going to be. You know, it's just yeah. crazy. Absolutely. Mario Reyes, always as always, great stuff, buddy. Appreciate Thank you, Dave. it. I am Dave Denholm. That was stoppage time. This is Soccer Weekly. You find us on iTunes or at the ESPN Pod Center. Search for Soccer Weekly. Subscribe, rate, review. Hit me up on Twitter at Talk Soccer. Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA seven ten.